Well, good morning. We are currently in a series that we're calling Be the Church. So here's the deal. It's not enough to just come to church. We have been called to be the church. And one of the things that help us understand how to be the church is our identity. Who are we? Who does Jesus say we are? When we understand who we are, we'll understand what we're supposed to be doing. And when we do what we've been designed to do, we're gonna accomplish some great things. And our lives are gonna feel like they matter. If you look at Matthew chapter five, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has something to say to his followers that is extremely significant. He says this, beginning in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if, a, if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So who are we? What is our identity? Well, Jesus doesn't say, over time you might become salt. Or if you're good enough and you develop enough, you'll become light. And being salt and light, you can change the world. No, he, he makes a categorical declaration and he says, if you're my follower, you are the salt. You are the light. That's who you are. And as we function in that capacity, believing that what Jesus said about us is true, we will change the world. Now, it's important for us to understand that as we live in, 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 our, in our role of being salt and light, God's gonna lead us to do things, to behave in certain ways, to have certain attitudes that will contribute to the goodness of God in this world. And as we all lean into that identity, we're absolutely gonna make a difference. You know, the, the thing about the, the gospel as it's recorded in scripture, it's, it's not some kind of romantic, like fanciful, spiritual idea, denying the reality and the hardships and the difficulty and the brokenness of this world. No, no, this, this gospel puts us in the middle of a broken and fallen and dying world, and Jesus says, through you, I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna bring light in the darkness. I'm gonna bring rescue. You know, if there was ever a beautiful illustration of this, it was what we experienced this week as we hosted Freeway Ministries. It's a recovery ministry in town. Um, and they have every year what they call their Save Our City meeting. And um, I, I've never seen a more perfect illustration of someone who is realistic about the, the pain, the struggle, the fallenness the, of, of people, and yet full of hope that in the middle of all of this brokenness, God is determined to rescue and help and transform and heal. Last night was the final meeting of of three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and I, I walked into the room, 
And I saw a man on this section, and um, I greeted him, and he, he said to me, uh, you know, I, I just want to ask you, I, I hear I'm a pastor here in town. I said, oh, I'm so glad to know that and to meet you. And he says, and I, and I hear that you have an internship program here at, at, at the church. And um, shout out to all of our interns and residents. I'm just going to say, they're, yeah, come on, let's give them a hand. They, they're awesome. He said, I feel like I'm supposed to start something like that. And I'm just wondering, is there any way you could, you could help? And I said, absolutely. So I introduced them to Coco, and you know, they're going to get connected. We'll share whatever we have, because we think it's so great. We want other churches to be able to enjoy this as well. And then he said, I just need to tell you my story. He said, um, I'm, I'm a pastor on the west side of Springfield, and it is the church that hosts Free, Freeway West. And he said... Um, he says, honestly, he says, I'm, I'm a product of freeway. I was into addiction. He says, my life wasn't going well. He says, the last time I bought drugs from my dealer, amazingly, he gave me a Bible and he wrote something in it, and I can't remember exactly, but it was something like, you know, read this and do this, and he says, can you go figure? My drug dealer gave me a Bible the last time I ever met with him, and I don't know where he ended up. He said, so I began reading the Bible. It was not something I was familiar with. And he said, and then as I'm reading it, I come across someone who explains to me how I can actually have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I prayed with them, and, and I asked Jesus to save me and change me. And, and then, I, then I got connected to Freeway Ministries, and I was discipled. And he says, and then, you know what? In 2020, I became the pastor of this church in West Springfield, there was 13 members when I went there. In 2020, COVID hit. I got so discouraged, wasn't sure I could do this, and I decided I was gonna quit. But there was a man in the church who was an elder in that church who said to me, don't quit. I wanna tell you, if you will, as long as you don't do something unbiblical, I will stand beside you all the way. And, and he says, and so I did. And I listened to this man, and man, I, I just thought, well, this is exactly what Jesus says we're supposed to be doing. You are the salt. You are the light. Do you believe that? Just so you won't forget it, turn to the person beside you and say, you are the salt and you are the light. Come on, tell them. They've got to know this. Is the world a, scary, world a scary place? Is there a lot of sadness and brokenness and fallenness and disappointment? Absolutely in this world. And then Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to change things. And, and those of you who are following me, you are the salt and you are the light. It was our privilege to serve with John Stroop and Freeway Ministries. John Stroop was in prison and he found a free Bible that was left there and he began to read through the Bible and as he read through the Bible, he gave his life to Christ. Can you imagine how wonderful is God? And he said, the more I read the Bible, the more questions I had and I just wanted someone to explain stuff to me. He says, finally, I began writing this man I think this man had been a, a missionary or something, and, and, and the guy would write me back. 
And then I would have a whole new list of questions. I'd write them again. And so for the remaining time while I was in prison, I was discipled through letter writing by this guy who would answer my question. And then he came to Springfield and he started what is now Free Will, Freeway Ministries. And they focus on helping uh, people coming out of recovery. They deal with a lot of homeless people, people that have been in prison. I sat there on that row, on the front row, and we sang one of my current favorite songs, which is um, uh, There's Joy in the House of the Lord. Okay, I'm not gonna sing it for you because that wouldn't be such a beautiful thing. Um, but, but the lyrics are There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. And I looked around me and I heard the people sing and they, they sang with such joy. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then they go on, we were the prisoners and now we're running free. And as they sang, I thought, this is not metaphor to them. This is testimony. The gospel of Jesus comes to us and says, you are the salt and you are the light and, and you are are going to change the world. You know, one of the testimonies we heard was, a, I can't recite all of them, it was so good, I wish you could have all been here every night. Anyway, the guy that, was, that shared the testimony the first time, his name was Steve, and Steve talked about how that when he was a young boy, he was, he was sexually abused, and he said after that, he just felt like he was worthless, and nobody was there to help him or protect him, and, and, and so this led him to a life of addiction that led him to stealing cars, which led him to spend time in jail and ultimately in prison, and then finally he got out of prison, and someone from Freeway reached out to him, and he accepted Christ, and he's been in the discipleship uh, program at Freeway. His life has absolutely been radically changed. He talked about how that, you know, after, as this was going on, the greatest desire of his heart was to reconnect to his son that he couldn't see and couldn't be with. And one day, holding a sign out in front, he said, I was just begging God, oh, I just, I just really want to see my son. Would you please? And the, a car stopped, the door opened, and this boy runs out, comes over to him. It was his son. And as the video testimony played, his son, who is now about 10 to 12 years old, I'm guessing, I watched. And the son just reached around. Steve is a big guy, I'm gonna say, he's a big guy. He reached around as best as he could with his 12-year-old arm, and he hugged his dad. His dad hugged him back. And I'm like, oh, that's what this means. People's lives have been radically changed. The kingdom of heaven has come to earth. And Jesus looks at all of us today who are his followers, and he says, I need you to know who you are. And that'll dictate what you need to be doing. First one, you are salt. Salt. So what is salt for? You know, in Jesus' day, um, this was way before refrigeration was common, okay? And um, if you had any kind of meat, uh, the microorganisms and bacteria on that meat would turn it from nice, something nice to cook and eat to a really stinky piece of thing. Okay. 
I am a college graduate, so you should have enjoyed that statement. Um, you know, and so it's kind of weird because this week I got reintroduced to the idea that we live in a fallen world where things are constantly decaying and they, they, go, they go from bad to worse. That's the, the reality of this world. Because one day this week I opened the door to the garage and the garage smelled awful. So I told Cindy, I think something's died in our garage. It was awful. I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad. Well, I was pretty busy, but finally I had to come to the reality that someone's got to go find what in the world crawled in our garage and died. So, besides the garage needed a good cleaning, I'm just saying. Um, and so I start pulling stuff out and sweeping around and washing, and I start from one end of the garage and work my way all the way back to the wall where the freezer is, and as I get close to the freezer, I'm smelling... Okay, this is smelling stronger and stronger, and then I start looking around and I pull out a plastic bag that had had frozen hamburger in it, and somehow it found its way from inside the freezer to outside the freezer, and all I'm going to say is this, I know Cindy didn't do it, and I'm here to testify that I didn't do it. So I guess somebody else did it, and I'm not quite sure, and I don't have proof, so I'm not even going to say. But I was so glad to find it, because when I got that out, the stink went away, and the cleaning could really be, be done. When Jesus says that we are the salt, he implies a reality that we all know, and that is we live in a world where things go bad. You know, things fall apart. You ever had a relationship fall apart? You ever done th something and said something or responded in a way that you're not proud of and the relationship gets really hard and ugly and, uh, and Jesus has already given us the, the answer. I mean, he says to a world that is struggling with relationships going bad, here's what you, what you should do. You need to humble yourselves before each other, you need to take responsibility, ask for forgiveness, you need to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness, and even if they're your enemy, you're supposed to love your enemy, you're supposed to do good to them, bless them, and this is what Jesus teaches us to do. Sometimes we call down and we say, God, I just need a supernatural work in my heart to be put in the right Attitude, I need the Holy Spirit of God to be so strong within me that I will have a supernatural love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. God, I need the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. I need, I need to be salt in a decaying world. I need you to forgive me and help me to forgive and help me to move forward to make things better, not worse. And when the world watches our example, we pull the world back from constant decay and disaster with every example we, we demonstrate. 
It's a preservative. May all the churches in Springfield, Missouri do a good job of showing hope in hopeless situations. Second, salt is a seasoning. Now, there are many seasonings. I don't know how many seasons you, seasonings you have in your, 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 your uh, cabinet, but I mean, there's, there's stuff like rosemary and cumin and turmeric and gi- ginger and chili, and I, I don't even know them all because I'm not a cook. I actually had to Google what were the top 10. So th- these, are, these are some of the ones that, okay, so that's, that's the level of cooking I'm at. Okay, so um, the, the difference between all the other spices in salt is this. All of those spices change the flavor of the food. The rosemary makes it taste like rosemary. The cumin makes it taste like cumin, and turmeric does the same, and ginger, and, and chili, and And the difference between all of those spices and salt is what salt does, it draws out the inherent flavors of the food that are already in it. And if you salt it correctly, you don't really taste the salt. You just taste all of the other other flavors in that dish in a much better way. It brings out the best. Now I'm here to say, Jesus did not say You are the rosemary, you are the turmeric, or you are the cumin, or you are the garlic. He said, you are the salt. You, if you do your job right, you will enter into every situation and you will make it better. You will will be the agent that brings out the best of flavors in that particular dish, and then you just kinda you're not even noticed. Nobody wants to eat something and you say, after you take a bite, man, that was salty. You get what I'm trying to say? That's not the goal of salt. The salt is to bring out the flavors that are already there. And Jesus is calling the church to be salt, to look around us and see the potential in people. Jesus did not come to to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what Freeway Ministries makes us understand. It doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter what your offenses are, they see potential. And so should we. You know, one of the most important things that you and I um, can develop as a part of our life is hospitality. That we look around and we see the people around us and we make the situation better because of our hospitality. You know, there are a couple people, couple kinds of people in the world. Is some people walk into a room and they say, "Here I am," and other people walk into the room and say, "There you are." If if you're so insecure, anytime you walk into a room, you're you're, you're thinking, "Oh my, I wonder what they think of me. Am I, am I dressed well? Do I look good? Is you know, is my hair?" cool, uh, you know what I'm saying. If you're so focused on yourself that you're all about here I am, you're, you're getting it wrong, I'm just here to say. Now please, go comb your hair in the mirror and look as good as you can, but then forget about yourself and then walk into a room and say, there you are. And when you have that kind of an attitude, you will draw out the best of people. During the Save Our City revival, You know, more than um, once I heard people say that 
when they were transitioning from the discipleship houses to attending church, that they would walk into church and the people in church were like so friendly and welcoming. And their first response because of all they had been through was, what do these people want from me? And it took them a while to drop their guard and just realize, wait, they don't want anything from me. What these people want from me is for me to succeed. That's what we should be doing. You know, you can be salt everywhere you are when you say in your heart and by your actions, there you are. How are you? Tell me about yourself. We can be salt when we look around our neighborhoods and we're not saying, hey, what can everybody do for me, but what can I do to make my neighborhood better and help the people around me? This can be true in your job. Whatever line of work you're in, how can I use my job? How can I use my talents to make things better in this world? How about your colleagues? Are you making it better because you're there? Do you enhance the spirit of hospitality and community? Are you the salt? You know, this um, Saturday, we've got a couple very important things going on. And I'm gonna tell you, they're, they're kind of salt things. First one is this. Um, the Walk for Life that sponsors the Pregnancy Care Center our church is sponsoring it, and we're, we're having some people go, and maybe you would go. You know what the Walk for Life is about? It's about meeting the needs of women who have an unexpected pregnancy, who don't know what to do, who are being counseled by a lot of people in, in our world that says, oh, it's hopeless, just, you know, just abandon that child, just ignore it, it's not really anything. And, and, and the Pregnancy Care Center says, no, every child matters, and we're here to help you. The other thing that we're gonna do on Saturday is it's our annual, 13th annual One Soul Purpose race. You know, it's a 5K run, it's a one-mile walk, it's a, you know, what, really, whatever you wanna do, we've got, you, could, you could just jump in. Every registration buys a new pair of shoes for kids. And let me just tell you, and I, you've heard this before, but I'll never forget 13 years ago, it's 13 years now, when Dan and Gayla Wells came into my office, and we had sent them to a volunteer banquet at Weller Elementary because we had started power packs, you know, packing up food for kids that don't have enough to eat on the weekend, and we, none of us could go, and we asked if Dan and Gayla would go, and they went to represent our church, and, and at that particular banquet, uh, I think they, they heard from teachers around their table that there were kids in their classes who, I mean, they, they just didn't have the resources. And so they wore hand-me-down shoes. Some of them had to crush the back of the shoes. I mean, when it snowed, their feet were gonna get wet because they didn't really fit. And so Dan and Gala came in to see me and they said, Pastor, I, we just feel like we need to like give shoes to kids at Weller Elementary. That's, what we were, that's the school we were sponsoring. And, um, and of course, if you only give, 
give shoes to kids who are poor. You identify them as poor and you make the matter worse. So let's just give everybody in the, in the, in the school a new pair of Converse tennis shoes. That was the idea presented to me. And I said, wow, I, I love the idea. And I said, well, can I pray about this? Because, you know, I am also the fundraiser in chief of the church, if you know what I'm saying. So every idea comes to me and I, I know we have to raise the money and, and I want to make sure it's what God wants. And so Dan says to me, okay, Pastor, well, while you're praying, you might want to come over because we're, I don't forgot what day it was, Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. He says, we're going to start sizing the kids uh, at Weller Elementary so we could maybe prepare to give them all shoes. And I'm like, oh, wow, this train has left the station. Um, so I went and I said, Dan, what are you going to do if we don't get enough money? And he said, well, I guess I'm going to be looking for a lot of driveways to shovel when it snows. And I thought, yeah, we got to do this. Let's run to the problem. Like they're, they're running. I'm just catching up with them. I went to the church. We had to raise, I think, four, five or six. I don't remember. If, I'm terrible with numbers. $10,000. That we had, we had to raise 10000 Wow, a lot more than I remember. Um, so we, we took an offering. We took another offering. And you know what I discovered? I discovered there were a lot of people in this church who care so much about kids. They're willing to feed them, and they're willing to give 30 bucks so that we could put a brand new pair of shoes on them. We were running through the problem, not running away from the problem. Because do you know something? We are salt. We're there to make things better. The next year, after a great success, Dan and Gayla came back, and this time Gayla dropped the bomb. She said, Pastor, I really feel like God wants us to give shoes to every kid in the Title I schools of Springfield. That's like, I think, 12, 13, 14, whatever uh, schools. I said, oh, wow, okay. How many shoes is that? And what is that gonna cost? Oh, about a hundred and something thousand dollars. And I'm like, oh, boy. So we had to change strategy. I said, I believe there are people in this town who aren't a part of this church, and there are other churches who care about kids enough that maybe they would run with us to this problem, and we could, so we're gonna have this race. We're gonna ask people to pay to be in this race, and, every, and then we're gonna look for sponsors, and I tell you what, they were so great to look for sponsors, and I'm, I'm just here to say, to my shock and amazement, oh, me of little faith, because of the generosity of the people in and outside of this church, we raise the money. And to date, we have given away 30,000 pair of shoes to in, in other uh, uh, 11 schools. We, because, here's the deal, you are the salt. We are supposed to run to the problem. We are supposed to inspire the people around us to do good and make a difference. Secondly, you are the light. You're the light. Light is an image 
of transcendent goodness and beauty that often is what is used in scripture to represent the presence of God. It brings hope and joy. You know, we, even in our language, we use words like, man, I'm just in a dark place. You ever heard someone say that? Or I just feel like a darkness has fallen all over me and I'm not really sure what to do and I don't know if I can endure this darkness. And, and, and the scripture says, you are the light. You're the light. Now, you know, you know what's the beautiful thing about this? It, even in the imagery that's here, is it doesn't say, hey, y'all are a big LED spotlight. That's not what it says. Because if you're a spotlight, I'm running away because that's too bright. You get what I'm saying? You say, well, I don't think I can do very much. Hey, listen, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to be a candle on a candlestick. A warm, inviting light in the darkness. Jesus said, is he quoted Matthew, I mean, Isaiah 9 to the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And sometimes we go and we confront the darkest of the darkness. There have been times I walk out of a hospital room where the, the family has just gotten word that their loved one, I'm thinking in particular of a, of a particular family, and, and they told me, yeah, you know, the doctor said there's not anything more they can do. And, and you know, the wife of decades long, I don't even know how long, says to me, Pastor, I, it's so hard, we're so sad, but, but you know what, it's gonna be okay. Because we know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we've gotta bring that light. Bringing the light, being the light being a testimony, a witness to the resurrection of Jesus in the dark world is our identity. You know, the first person in my family that I watched die was my grandmother, Leon. Leon was about four foot ten. I love my grandmother so much. When I came to college, I lived with them in Iowa. Bloomfield, Iowa. They had an 80-acre farm. They were so good to me. My grandmother would cook my favorite food. She made this cherry delight that was just awesome with graham cracker crust. And she, she never said a word, but any day I arrived from coming back from college, she would feed me, and then she would say, well, would you, would you like a little bit of dessert? And then she would go bring it out of the... Of the uh, refrigerator and say, here, I know you like this. And she, she was awesome. I loved my grandmother. She was a quiet but powerful woman. She had her chair beside a window in the front room with her Bible that she read every day, and I could see her do that. She had strong faith. And the horses and the cows would do whatever she said. I'm not joking you. I've told you this before. She, we'd be chasing and chasing the, 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 the ponies, trying to ride them, and we couldn't get them. And so my grandmother would just walk out to the pasture, and she'd say something, and they'd come right up to her. She'd go out and call the cows, and the cows would come, come over the hill. And then... The first summer after my first year in college, my grandmother was sick and she had an operation 
and actually she had cancer. And by the next December, when I came home from college, she was so bad. My grandfather met me at the door and he said, Eddie, your grandmother is so sick, we're gonna take her to the hospital today. I remember going in and she was laying down on, on the couch in the front room and this was, wow, like my grandmother was dying. So I went in there and I was trying to be strong and I knelt down beside her and she, she reached out her hand and held my hand and when she did, I just started crying. And then she said, Eddie, Eddie, it's okay. I know where I'm going. It's okay. I worry about your grandfather. She had reason to worry because none of us could cook. And then in March, she died. But in the process of all of that, my grandmother was a light and she taught me how to die with hope and courage and to know that Jesus is truly the resurrection and the life. You are the salt. You are the light. If we will all function within the identity Jesus declares over us, we will be the church. And God will do some amazing things through us. Would you bow your heads, please?